0: You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. David Sturdy has been with Yum Brands for the past 13 years and is currently the COO and CCO for Pizza Hut. David has been at the forefront of driving a foundational approach to the brand engagement while deploying technology to change the customer experience. He's a firm believer in culture as the multiplier to strategy and technology deployment. Today, David talks about the influence of the pandemic on the restaurant industry and Yum Brand's experience going through a big culture change in the UK, as well as his journey with building an environment where franchisees would feel safe, aligned and empowered.
1: Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm Ron Lovett, your host, and I'm really excited to have David Sturdy with us today from the UK. David, welcome.
2: Ron, how are you doing? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm doing great. I feel like I'm seeing you all the time now. We're, we're building this bromance together.
2: Yeah, that's it. And I, I really, like I say, I'm really enjoying your book, you know. Although, uh,
1: to be great. honest,
2: I thought uh, Jay-Z could have been a little bit more appreciative of, uh, of uh, you helping him out in a bit of a situation, right?
1: You know that that I always tell that story. That was a big kind of aha moment for me. That I was like, these celebrities don't care about me. I they I I'm going right under that bus if anything happens. You know, for the most yeah. part. And so uh, that was a big eye opener. It was a crazy story.
2: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, a great book. Getting a lot from it. So. Awesome.
1: Oh, great. I'm I'm glad. So so David is the COO at Pizza Hut Europe under the Yum Brands, and and we're excited to have you here, David. Obviously. You're with a very large uh, organization, um, and so I'm excited to kind of dive into different details uh, about the company with you. And, and so let's start with, let's go back. Um, just for those who who maybe don't know Yum, just talk about Yum for a second and what Yum is uh, as a company and the brands that that are underneath Yum.
2: Yeah, sure. Ron. so, um, yeah, so Yum Brands is the it's the biggest restaurant business in the world. We got. You know, we, for a long time, had three brands: KFC, Pizza, and Taco Bell, um, and then recently acquired a, a U.S. burger brand called the Habit, Habit Burger, which you may you may be aware of. Um, so that's I think probably more more West Coast in the U.S. But yeah, so so we're uh, obviously multinational throughout the world uh, and and operate all uh, key you know, key brands within our different sectors. So I work uh, exclusively on the on the Pizza brand uh, in in UK and Europe.
1: And so were you nervous? And was the company nervous going into this pandemic? Because obviously restaurants have been one of the hardest hit sectors. I mean, that must have been pretty scary. Everybody had to buckle up.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I think we, we realized quite quickly we had a role to play in that a lot of our business is off-premise, right? It's delivery. And we had quite a strong e-commerce platform to start with. So you know, as being as prepared as you can, I guess from, from a positioning point of view, we, we weren't in a bad position. then, and, and we realized quickly we had a role to play in terms of helping people isolate and supporting the medical services and, and, and doing that during this time. But obviously, you know, we do, have, we do have quite a big restaurant division as well. And it is scary, right?
1: So, I, you know, I'm curious as when I was thinking about your business, you know, because is it mostly is it corporate and franchisees or not? It's all delivered through franchisees.
2: Yes, yeah, so the majority is franchise. I mean, we we own some stores here in the UK, um, but predominantly we we license out and sell them, we franchise. Yeah,
1: got it. And are is the corporate then uh, corporate side? Are they responsible to, to tell the franchisees what they can or can't do? Or do they have their own responsibility to find out in their jurisdictions what how, you know? How do they manage the pandemic and you know distancing and masks and whatnot? Who's responsible for that in your business?
2: Yeah, so we worked uh, we worked with our our franchisees on on that. You know, I mean, I think, and we'll talk a bit around how we were focusing on on really improving that culture between ourselves and our franchisees. But, I mean, this was this was a, a situation where we just we had to come together very quickly and, and figure out our way through this, right? Because, you know, we're we obviously had a lot of you know departments to government liaison, et cetera, and, and and all that information. But our franchisees are there and they have to execute this. So, you know, together we needed to, to really figure it out, right?
1: So it's interesting, you know, a major issue like this occurring can actually bring two sides together. It sounds like that's what you're saying. So it was like, holy cow, we better get together, get close, start to yeah. communicate, so we can figure this out together. Correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's the only way—the only way you can effectively go through this. But I think that the, the story for us starts even a little bit before that.
1: Um, yeah, bring us back pre-pandemic. What? 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 Tell us about the culture, and then I know you guys have leaned into culture kind of during the pandemic. Walk us through.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'd worked, I'd worked for young brands for about thirteen years now. Some of it uh, out of the Middle East, some of it out of Asia, and then came back to Europe um, March last year, right, twenty nineteen, and and took this role. Um, and at this stage, the you know, the UK business specifically that we were referring to was um, was quite challenged. I think from a metric point of view, it was usually towards the bottom, if not. You know maybe at at the bottom in terms of you know guest experience, overall satisfaction, et cetera. So definitely a, a challenge business and uh, and a mandate to to start, you know how do we how do we change that? how do we fix it? And I think like all businesses went straight into the strategy, right? What is it? What's the tech we've got to deploy? What are the you know processes we've got to do? what's the structural change we need to make? and And so that kind of I think ran its course last year. And about a year ago, actually December last year, i We'd just done our planning for 2020, obviously having no idea what was really coming. Yeah. Um, and I went away to Australia, and I was I was on holiday in Australia, and I just kept having this feeling that something was missing from our plans, right? And I'd go back and I'd think about our strategy, and I'd think about all of the, you know, the the things that we're going to do, and and things we have planned and investments, and just something was always nagging at me. And then I think that aha moment came where it was just. It was all strategy and it was no culture and, and there was huge gaps in our culture. And and that was really the start of that journey as to was really that aha moment that this culture is either gonna amplify and bring us alive or we're dead in the water without it.
1: And when you say culture, are you talking kind of corporate culture or franchisee, the both? Where does it start and end with with young? Yeah
2: it's a good question yum has EM has a strong uh, corporate culture right i mean i think it's one of the one of the key tenants of our businesses that focus on on on, on culture and and uh, you know very principle driven but the reality is we had gaps in our in our franchise relationship here in the uk um through you know we were missing each other you know the franchisee is dealing with the here and now on the day-to-day basis and and highly practical and um, you know, the corporate. You know, from a or point of view, we we probably looking slightly ahead, and we're thinking maybe a bit more strategically on the brand. And and our paths had really started to to deviate, and we were missing each other. Uh, and in time, I think this was eroding trust. We, you know, there was a lot of internal energy that was being spent on probably not very positive things at times. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't great. And you could see that in the in the results, and you could see that in our ability to kind of react. At the time.
1: So. When I hear you say that, because, you know, this is very different than someone who's had this realization when they're starting their business plan in a small business. You guys are a monster at this stage. Where's the first step?
2: Yeah, where's the first step? Admitting you have a problem, right?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's is, good for you.
2: Yeah, and I, and I mean, I, I, I say that half, uh, you, know, you know, flippantly, but I think it's also realizing there was an opportunity. Um, and I was, you know, very fortuitously, a book came into my life called *The Culture Code*. Who I think, I think you're aware of this, right, Dan? Corley? Love the book. Yeah, really. And as I was starting to go to school and culture, this book, uh, in fact, my my boss gave this uh, to me to read, which was just the perfect timing, right? And so, quite soon, it became that this was an opportunity, right? Like we had a great strategy, and so you, we just kept looking back, and it. it was the right one. But how are we going to bring this alive, you know? And that, I guess, that. That question: You want the world's best strategy or the world's best culture, right? And luckily, you don't you don't have to choose. But if you did have to choose, one, I would choose culture every time because you've got thousands and thousands of people trying to solve a problem versus a strategy that has the hand fingerprints of what maybe five, six people on it, probably. You're right. So that that really became exciting. Then it was like because deep down, I just had this intrinsic. I just knew that that strategy was going to move us forward, but it was not going to be transformational. And once we got that, once we got that um, that culture piece, once we started really walk, walking in lockstep with our franchisees, we really started to um, to make this make this a reality and bring that you know combined passion and direction into it. It was going to be a game changer. And, and so what? That,
1: if, happened, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying that's I- exactly how we, we've seen that play out this year.
1: And so what were some of those steps? I'm a franchisee, and and so you've had this realization from the corporate side do you bring me in and survey see if yeah. if what you think is accurate how do you go through that how do you, what's what's it look like in and in execution sure. so the
2: first the first thing that i needed is i needed buy in from the rest of my leadership team and from the people within our with our franchise organization the franchisor, all right so i started a lot of water cooler conversations on flights back in the day when we used to fly you know, in airports talking to people and, and really just talking to them about where I, where I saw the gaps. And I knew, I knew we were onto a winner once I kind of like, I, I guess spoke about those three core tenants and, and the culture code. And the people I was speaking to would talk back to me about where they saw the gaps, right? Like it was so obvious, it was in that framework that they could see where those opportunities were. So the, right. first, the first phase was really that I think, like getting, getting a lot of, uh, getting people excited about this internally, right? And then, and then we just, and then we had a long conversations around how do we go and execute this?
1: Um, right, because right, that, that, I mean, getting, you know, this step one is, well, I guess step one is realization. Step two is buy-in, okay, fine. People believe that this this is the right place to go and now it's execution, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. So, so we, you know, obviously I, my uh, experience and history always comes from operations. So the first thing I wanted to, was a metric and to go and do a survey and, but it felt like it would have been the wrong thing at that time because um, we'd have been reaching out and and asking around. Like I think I think we 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 were it was an expectation that we knew that there was a problem already, right? So we decided to go straight into how do we now go and 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 take some you know firm actions around some of these things. But we we decided not to signpost this, right? I mean you. You can imagine bringing your franchisees together and have this PowerPoint presentation around. Now we're going to fix our relationship and our culture and a marching band and all the rest of it. It's like, you can imagine the buy-in would be limited. Um, so the thought was really, how do we just go and actually, how do we just do this? Let's, let's prove it by doing it.
1: And so I just want to make sure timing wise, this happened before when, when you guys had this realization, this was pre pandemic or during.
2: Yeah. So, so towards the end of last year, we had that realization. We already started to figure out what we wanted to do and come, come January where we went straight into this and it was, yeah.
1: And so how, cause, cause you know, when, when, when business, you know, starts to struggle or has external factors, whatever the case is, Sometimes we throw that key strategy to the side. How did you guys say, "You know what? We've said culture's important. We're going to lean in and continue to move forward because that must have came up as whoa, well, whoa, well, we have bigger fish to fry right now."
2: yeah, indeed. indeed, it did in the beginning. I think um, yeah, I, I, there was there definitely was concern around that. Um and you know we'll talk about some of the the smaller the smaller groups that we started to organize our franchisees into, et cetera which is obviously something that's, that's worked, I think, quite well, for you, very well for you as well, right? But we, um, I think once we had a couple of those going, it just became obvious that this was the winning solution to, to approaching this problem. You know, that, In fact, it was the only way we we're going to navigate this was, was just being super close.
1: So, so let's go back. And we're in the execution. So mm-hmm. you called a few franchisees and said, hey, let's have a discussion. Let's break that down a little bit.
2: Yeah, so we, we had all of our franchisees in a meeting in the beginning of January. We were kind of rehitting the, the strategy. And we we threw the rule book out of the, the window for that for that meeting. And the you know, the kind of agenda that we would have run, we just completely changed it. We put it on its head, we put the franchisee at the beginning and at the middle of that meeting, um, you know, way more, way more interactive, way more listening, you know, some download and giving them an opportunity to give meaningful feedback. And also having an opportunity to really start to have a say in where we wanted to go in a in a longer three to five years, as opposed to just this is the strategy that we need you to execute over the next year. So I think that was the the, the first thing. Is we retooled our meetings, put our franchisees in the middle of them. Um, but we also did some other things. All right. So the three what are the three points of that that culture code? The first one is around you know uh, creating safe you know people feeling safe and and a sense yeah. of. The second is around being able to share vulnerability, right? Can you solve problems together? And then the third one is around how aligned are you and where you're going in the steps to get there? So the first one around, you know, making people feel connected. We started to do, um, you know, we obviously took this from the book, but we take small kind of small actions. Like uh, we would give our franchisees a, a jumper that was branded that would have their name on it, right? So there was the brand and was personalized. And these little clues like, that we were sending them that, that you're an important part, you're connected to this brand, you're an important part of it, right? And we'd send them diaries that are, you know, branded and customized, et cetera. So, so we were taking some, some big actions and then we were also doing these like, kind of small stylistic clues that, that, that really was indicating that, that they were a key, key and critical part of this business, right?
1: So interesting. So these strategies you implemented to start to build trust, so they would feel safe. Uh, and how did you do that in the conversations? Because I can imagine, you know, this is, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but having this type of interaction with corporate might be more interaction than they've had before. Are you now, are you building new relationships Were they surface level or were they, were they already deep in you or not? You had to bring them deeper now.
2: I mean, there was probably, a, there was, I'm sure there was a, um, you know, it's a, a, a scale and there was some that were deeper than others, but on the whole, it was, it was, it was, it was, the, the, the trust probably wasn't where it needed to be. Um, so I think, I think there was a couple of things in terms of really moving that along. The first was, was around a mindset change, right? And that's that vulnerability piece, right? Like when there's no trust and there's a problem, it, it often, the, the type of interaction can become quite abrasive or it's. You know, it's it's the opposite of being vulnerable and saying, "Hey, I I don't know the answer. How do we solve this together?" Right? And the first mindset change that I think I made, and it, it was a critical one that I needed to make, was to adjust my mindset to uh, a default position that everybody was trying to do the right thing. So before, you know, we'd had you know some not great results the year before, and and some of the conversations would have been, you know, holding them accountable for some some probably less than than stellar, uh, you know, guess. Uh, metrics, etc., that may have come through, um, but it it just wasn't working. You know, when it comes to the carrot or the stick, it's always going to be the carrot every time. That's that's really going to work. So I think changing my mindset to, okay, I I trust and believe in the intentions of our franchisees and of those in our network who, that they do want to do the right thing. So if we're not getting there, then let's find out how to unlock that. And then the conversation yeah. changes.
1: I really like that starting within and saying, look, I need to change my perspective to now trust that someone else's intentions are good versus not trusting that and, and having maybe a bit of a command control because I lack trust before. That's great.
2: Yeah, indeed. And then it just, it just changes the nature of every conversation. And that's that said, on that vulnerability piece. I think you have to lead with it and you have to give people the space to, to, to reciprocate and to become a part of it, you know, voluntarily, but, but through, um, you know, through a, I, I, I guess, just a, a way more positive form of, of engagement. You know,
1: and could you walk us through any specific challenges through that, and then how you got around those? You know, because there, there, someone had to push back, even when you change your perspective. You know, there's me on the other side. Maybe I don't trust you still. And I, you know, I always go back to Frances Frey, who we had on here, and she talks about this. You know, if there's a if there's a misalignment of trust. For some reason, it's usually one of three things: it's the authenticity, logic, or empathy. You know, it sounds like yeah. you're starting to lean into compassion, empathy. I want to understand. You know that that I'm empathetic to you. I think you have good intentions. Mm-hmm. What else do you think came up that that maybe a, a brick wall that maybe you had to get around?
2: Yeah, so I think it's a good question. I, you know, Ron, To be honest, I think we saw. You know we were on a journey and we still got some distance to go on this, there's no question about that. But I think the response was was pretty positive from the beginning. You know, I mean, even after that first meeting when we had we had made a change and you know, a much needed change, we um, you know, the, the sound bites that were coming back we were already starting to be positive. And it was just a great, you know, starting to you know break that inertia, right? Get the ball rolling. I think one of the things that that we did quite well is um we have we have franchise consultancy boards either on operational or you know IT or tech or uh, or marketing you know matters, et cetera. And we we really doubled down on the consultation that we did with them on on pretty much any material decision we were gonna make, right? And this this then backed up the that, that kind of empathetic part, and backed it up with that, you know, the, the partnership part and and, and leading into the logic as well, right? Like side by side figuring out the problems that we have. I mean, as a franchisor, I think it's our it is our responsibility to to do our homework and to to go and have uh, you know winning strategies, but putting these in front of franchisees and stress testing them and tweaking them and really taking on their feedback is really where they went from being fairly decent to being you know good to great, right?
1: And and is it a mix? Do, do you have some franchisees that have twenty stores, some have three? Is it is it a complete yeah. mix? Yeah, from one to thirty probably would be the wow. we have in, in the and, UK. Yeah. And is the long-term vision that the franchisee can transcend some of these, you know, this new culture, this new trust, down to the fran- down to the store level?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and you know, when when the light bulb moment went off, then you just want to do everything. Like, how do we get everybody involved, right? And I think like our, our previous CEO used to say, "You can do anything, you just can't do everything," right?
1: Yeah, great quote.
2: Really good, right? It's highly empowering but highly focused. So we said, well you know the, the the franchisee is the is where we've got to start on this and 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 we got some distance to go we did some research recently and and we were seeing i think it was something like 76% of our franchisees felt more connected now than they did 12 months ago which is you know while while managing a, a you know a, a crisis and pandemic and our guest scores probably from an overall satisfaction point of view are up about 22 points year on year not wow. not 22% 22 points a dissatisfaction down by about 18 points like it is, it's a, you know, this, this market that used to be, um, you know, I guess troubled at times has now become one of the key markets globally that, 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 that teams are looking to, to see, you know, how to go and, and execute, how to manage the crisis, how to, you know, move the business forward. And, and really this is on, on the back of that, that work that our franchises are doing and that improved, you know, partnership that we have.
1: So, so you're starting to see an ROI and I noticed the stock really jumped back. I mean, it took a dip as most did, but it really seems to be trending in, in the right direction. It's really bounced back for the most part, correct?
2: Yeah, sure. And obviously, I mean, we're a, we're a big business. It's you know, three mega brands in 120 right. countries. So, you know, there's, you know, how much, how much is one country in, in, you know, impacted is always a, a question. And, and, you know, I mean, some of the, the challenges we're dealing with culture now probably may not be in, in you know, as prevalent, in some, certainly isn't as prevalent in some of the other markets, but you know, we we are seeing internally, our, we're seeing from our results from every angle that this is this is really starting to to pay off. And it's... yes, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, I, I think that's incredible. I think, you know, it's very interesting to see um, an organization in a challenging space. And I'll say, I'm going to say a tough business because there can be a major disconnect between franchise or franchisee, you know, license or licensee. And so really this pulling them closer, getting them more involved in the business, getting them at the table. It sounds like now having a stake in the business, a voice at the table. These are great strategies and it sounds like it's paying off.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, I've, if you had asked me a year ago, how much, how, how far, you know, how much progress could we make? How could we really improve? How much could we improve this business in, in 12 months? You know, realistically I would have, you know, you know probably thought half of what we had done would have been a tremendous r- result i mean it's like it's it's mind blowing what what we are seeing and how that's really starting to come through and i think there's two areas that i that have really played a, a role in this the first is we used to always have these conversations around metrics you know your overall satisfaction was this or your bottom two box of dissatisfaction was this um, and then it just we took on a life on its own and it was a point of conflict, et cetera. And so at that first meeting, we took a step back and we said, forget the metric. What are we trying to achieve here? What do we want? Right. And we did an exercise with them, you know, three to five years from now, what do we want in this business from a franchisee point of view, from a team member or associate point of view and from a customer point of view. And we, we spent a whole lot of time that really going, you know, future back, what is this going to look like?
1: And what were some of the key things that came out of that?
2: So, it, some of them, I think, you would you would anticipate. There was obviously, you know, expectations of improved profitability, which is which is right. I mean, that's the 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 kernel for growth in our business. Um, but interestingly enough, I think a lot of them were were aligned with we're not they were not completely disaligned from what we would have thought as a as a franchisor. You know, in terms of where they wanted to position this business from a customer point of view. But I think it was having that conversation and and as you say, giving them a seat at the table and really getting good feedback from them that allowed us to, um, to get to a position where we, were, we, were, we weren't just talking about a metric. Now, we were talking about a, a, a purpose, right? There was, there was something bigger than, than just a metric that we were talking about, and then we aligned on the metrics to get there. But it was almost like that conversation hadn't happened before. So when you jump straight into the metric, there's no emotional connection to it, and it's just a, you know, a, a less than effective way of, of you know, managing the business.
1: Interesting, and so, what you know? What's the next level of that? You guys have taken culture in your strategic planning. Walk before you run. You've obviously achieved more than maybe the plan had showed. What What's next? What's the next uh, hurdle to get through? So get over.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I think one of the things that that obviously worked quite well for us was we intrinsically knew that of we had this feeling that our, our franchises were not feeling connected. Part of this was driven by the geography of the country. Part of this was driven by, um, you know, a lot of them would would work within their own businesses and they'd have, you know, limited access to other franchisees. So we made the call to to, to organize them into these smaller groups, right? Um, and then these smaller groups would have representation from, from the senior leadership from the franchisor side, and they would meet at least once a month and have those, you know, have an hour together with an agenda really the opportunity to, to celebrate what was going on to understand what the needs were share best practice et etc and this this really i think has started to to pay dividends and and, and it really helps with um, with a sense of connection because at the number of franchises that we had you know the group dynamics is probably not one that leads itself to to very close connection right once you start going to the smaller groups they become more meaningful and the, and the conversations become deeper right so so that's worked for us i think I think we have the opportunity to do more there, and we we're working with your team on this now to see how do we how do we actually get outside uh, you know uh, support on this to to run these meetings and to really make sure we can get the most uh, value from it, and then how do we cascade that then to to beyond franchisee?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, obviously the you know, and I think there's other aspects that at first glance may not be you know you know may not uh, show up, i.e. even Having individuals in that type of format, it also helps with diversity um, you know because everyone has the same voice, we all have different backgrounds, and so all of a sudden we're sharing our own experience there's a ton of value there i love I love um, of course I love that strategy uh, but diversity and inclusion is is um, is this is a great way to all of a sudden lean into something like that. Cause I think most are having a hard time even figuring that out. How do you get diverse voice? How do you transfer information throughout mm-hmm. an organization, right? How do you, someone does something really well. You know, I think we we always think to technology and think, oh, if David's really good at this, we store it somewhere and someone had in some internal um, messaging board can Google it and find it and, and no, have a conversation with David and ask him the question and let him share his experience, his stories. And, and of course, typically experience are shared through stories and we remember stories, right? Mm -hmm. Versus being talked at. So uh, I love it. And so you're saying, look, we're going to bring it closer. Once we get this right, then we're going to move into deeper into the the business, the franchisees business. Is that, is that the plan?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think we, we still have some work to do um, with our initial focus and we, we've just done some research with our franchisees now and, and, um, and you know got some more got some more insights as to how we need to you know continue this journey, um, but yeah I think as that starts to to get good continue to get good traction we we the, the obvious step is to really broaden this how do we how do we take that next level of uh, you know you know all of the above store leaders and and then from there the restaurant managers right how do we start to to build these similar type of uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, smaller, of smaller groups that, that really have that, that meaningful impact and being able to share that information, connection, celebrate stuff, you know, really, really, um, you know, bring alive all that stuff that we want, that we want to see there. Right.
1: And, and in these groups, were, were they originally shy to share challenges? Like, look, I, I don't want to share that. I'm, I've got this challenge or I don't want to celebrate. I'm doing so well because I've got other franchisees. How did you get through that?
2: Um, I, no, I think to the credit of our franchisees, certainly the ones that I've attended, they, they've, they've embraced them, you know? I think they've... They're, they're, I mean, I think they get better as they go on and as people, you know, the relationships build and as as hopefully as the trust builds as well. I mean, there's some things that definitely destroy value in these. So if we came in there with a the franchisee, franchisor mindset and used it as a mini-regional meeting, it's going to destroy value, right? Like, right. we we were probably we were behind in our listening anyway. So this was an opportunity for us to truly understand what our franchisees were going through and to really, you know, peel away those, those layers and, and, and understand the day-to-day relationship, uh, day-to-day uh, challenges, what they were, you know, what their concerns were, what were they dealing with. So I think a lot of it helped in that that we came in there as active listeners as opposed to trying to, uh, you know, just have this as a small regional meeting.
1: And what's one thing, because I'm sure there was a few things that popped up, but as you know, corporate sat in on these meetings and got to re and started really listening. And I love that you said, hey, we were behind on listening. And good good for you as an organization to say, hey, we need to lean into this. What's something that you didn't know what you didn't know? I.e., wow, we're hearing this. And so we need to bring this back and help strategize around that issue. Was there anything that popped up that you didn't anticipate, you didn't know?
2: Um good question. I think there was there were so many smaller things. That were making life difficult to the franchisees that we weren't aware of. So you roll all of right. that up and it was a big insight. Um, you know, an example could be the an example could be the, the way that the VAT invoice was coming through. If you're a multi-store owner, the the consolidation re, you know, time on those reports was just astronomical on certain on, on one of the channels of our business. So just getting an idea and some insight into that and to, to being able to go and fix it, um, I think was was probably where where the where a lot of that value was, you know.
1: And did they have to do anything up front? Because I'm just trying to visualize this. So I'm on corporate or I'm a franchisee and you're corporate and I'm going to talk about this VAT issue. Do I do I have enough of a relationship there? It sounds like you again you worked hard at the beginning. Was there anything done in the group level? So for instance, when we when we run our pods, there's a deep dive uh, to really build that trust and vulnerability, you know, it sounds like you were you had done a good job because for me to be comfortable enough to tell you this is a challenge I'm having, you're on the other side of it. And so I trust that you're gonna take the information, maybe help me with it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were building this plane as we we're flying it, right? So right. You know, once once the like kind of that light bulb moment happened, I wanted to get this going and live and not and not wait on it, right? Because the you know, you could take six months to plan this and then you know what happens then, or we could just get into it and start figuring it out. So that's I why. That. I
1: think Yeah. And, but, and and David, let me say kudos to a large organization to do that, because most large organizations say, oh, my goodness, we need to over plan this, make sure it's perfect and then execute. But you don't know what you don't know versus yeah. let's just look. We we get the concept. We have a great intention here. Let's move through. We're going to learn through the process. Um, so I love that. Good. Good for you guys.
2: Yeah, because executed is always better than perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like that's that's you you could have all of these fantastic plans but if you're not actually moving them along then but but what it does mean is and i think that's why we're we're engaging with some of your team now is okay we think we've done a decent job in this and we think it's starting to have some value but how can we how can we really take it to its next level which is i think why we're, we're we're very interested in seeing where that goes you know
1: so so if you were going to advise another major corporation that had franchisees and had a franchisor that was going to head down this path, what? let's go back. What is a couple of the key things that uh, she or he has to keep in mind?
2: Mm. So, yeah, I wonder. I think the first one is that, you know, we go back to the question, what, what do you want, the world's best strategy or the world's best culture, right? Right. Now, every time I've had that conversation, I don't think anybody has ever chosen strategy. I think they've all chosen culture. But how much time is spent talking about strategy versus talking about culture? It's, if it's 95-5, I'd be surprised on the strategy side, right?
1: Right. So the number one thing you're saying is if you're doing your planning, your strategic planning, corporate planning, whatever that is, implement culture into that. If it's missing, that was the, you know, back to your story, that was the one thing that it was just tugging at you. You knew something was missing. And so it sounds like that's the number one thing. Ensure that culture is a part of that somewhere, somehow.
2: Yeah. Make it, make it the main thing. Right.
1: Okay. Got it. And actually you have it at the forefront. You're saying this should be top of mind, top of strategy. Got it.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: And what else? What's a few other key things that you try to, you know, if you're advising someone who's going to go down this path, who, you know, I'm sure other franchise corporations that have franchisees, this has to be a big problem
2: yeah i I mean in business it is right because you know a franchise network is just a larger team with a slightly different dynamic, but ultimately it's the same team right we're We're right. all on the same brand, driving the same thing, so you know the franchise environment adds its own uh you know uniqueness to it, but a lot of the core principles are probably are probably not dissimilar i think the the, the learning also for me was you know when you talk when you talk about culture before um There's a chance that this may be perceived as somewhere between you know like it's a it's a gray area it's it's not very tangible maybe it's personality driven like how do you actually go after it it's like you just need a strong leader or but the reality is like anything else it needs framework and it needs structure and it needs execution right um and that that there are that there's concrete steps that can be taken to drive culture it's not this Kind of esoteric thing that's that that that's hanging around somewhere in the ether, right? It's a, it's actually a it's an executable strategy.
1: You know, it's interesting. You know, I think about my aha moment in culture because I used to th- think the same thing. This is like rainbows and unicorns. So just, yeah, I just yeah. I I can't grab a hold of this. But the book for me, and I'm not sure if you read it, was nuts about Southwest, Southwest okay, Airlines. Yeah. Have you read that book?
2: No, I haven't. I, I know of it, but I haven't read it.
1: Incredible, incredible book. It just you know it's one of those books that you're reading kind of herb Keller's stories about mm. uh the culture you don't even believe it you're like come on really you know um it's uh it was it was that was my aha moment to say wow i've got work to do you know i i originally had you know a decent culture um that wasn't identified it, 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 you know we hadn't really built the framework of what our core values were to drive culture but within arms distance i i thought i had decent culture but mm. of course as I built my previous company uh, we had offices across the country and every time I walked into that office it felt like a different business mm. so it does that is that is that the case today you know or or it sounds like you're trying to move in a new direction but it there must be this different culture at the franchisee level because you know if I'm a franchisee and I've got 10 stores and this is how I want the business to operate or not. Are they, are you finding, it sounds like you've got some good metrics and good results coming out, but are you finding that, that you're getting some continuity within the culture?
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that the discipline around having those, those smaller connected, uh, those partnership meetings that we have was critical. Um, and, and the business is showing good discipline in that they, you know, the leaders don't miss those, those, those need to happen. They do happen. I think the new approach that we have to the way we run meetings and that we have a ratio now around how much is download, how much is feedback, how much is understanding.
1: What's the Um, ratio?
2: Well, roughly we, we don't like to go above a third on any of them. Right. Because we think if we, if we don't, if we, as a, as a a branch is also our responsibility to come with with solutions, to come with a deep understanding of the business and where to take the brand. So we can't, we can't neglect that responsibility, but at the same time, we can't overstate that and not have it flexible enough for our franchisees to, to weigh in and, and to give feedback. Um, and it's our continued responsibility to make sure that we continue to understand what they're going through. So, so we don't like to go above a third on on any of those. Now, having these repeatable this repeatable model in place means that if I go and leave or you know. Um, Steve Cho, runs our, our, our UK franchise, you know, if he goes on leave, you know, does culture fall down? Well, it shouldn't, right? Because now we've got a framework we've got and, and an understanding, right? And then the mindset is just constantly on the mindset, you know, the belief in all people, the belief that people want to do the right things. So it just, it opens up the relationship to so much more after that. You know?
1: that's, that's great. Look, in closing, Dave, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think would be helpful? Anything that we, we, we didn't, uh, didn't discuss?
2: I mean, it's a culture. We could we could be discussing this for a week, and we'd still we'd still have room to go probably. Yes. Um, no, I don't. I, I I don't know. Something that I actually found quite interesting the other day is I was. Uh, have you watched Below Deck? Have you heard of this? No. No. What is it? So so this is a, a show where they do. Um, it's these big yacht charters, 180 feet, uh, and they have this crew that work on it. So it's it's reality TV. I watched two or three episodes of this. And they have these, so like these charters probably cost three hundred thousand uh, US a week or whatever. It's huge. Um, and if you watch it, it is the perfect example on how to not, drive, how to, well, how to build the worst type of culture. You know, you've got these these captains of these boats that are just so set in their ways and hierarchical, and you've got these team leaders who don't know how to talk to their teams and who don't uh, you know have, don't spend any any time in making people feel connected or safe. They you know it, it's highly recommendable like sometimes to to understand how how important culture is is to actually see how how bad it is when it's run incorrectly you know, i thought it was a really fascinating example of um of doing of intrinsically doing every wrong thing when it comes to culture and when you're on a when you're on a yacht even a 187 or 190 foot yacht there's, there's no running away right so that pressure cooker just so I thought that was fascinating. A great case study and and what not to do. So
1: that's interesting. I'll, I'll check that out. I know uh, the last book that I read that was I don't know if you heard of the Theranos about the blood uh, the company yes, with the blood. Yes, yes, yes. And I think the book's called Bad Blood. It sounds very similar to that. They they had the I actually talked about that book in our new book Scaling Culture. It just it it was the it sounds exactly uh, like that show you're you're describing. They It was command control, secretive, no trust. You know, everyone's on eggshells all the time, doesn't know what they can or can't do. You know, if anybody stepped out of line, the lawyers are stepping in. It was just unbelievable.
2: Absolute value destroyers, right?
1: That's it, yeah. Well, David, look, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate uh, your time and your feedback. This is great. Um, It's great to see you, and uh, I hope to speak to you soon.
2: Great. Thanks, Ron.
0: For more information on David or anything else related to Scaling Culture, please see the show description for details. If you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.